This is a Hog Sports Network podcast. You're listening to the Hogs Illustrated Sports Club podcast. Here's your host, Chip Souza of the Hog Sports Network. This is Chip Sousa with the Hog Sports Network, and we had a great luncheon today at the Hogs Illustrated Sports Club. Richard Smith, former Razorback wide receiver, Mr. Overtime, who played in three of the longest overtime games in program history, was the guest speaker. Here is Richard Smith and his question and answer with our Matt Jones. You mentioned Houston Nutt recruited you. He wasn't the only Arkansas coach who recruited you, though. You also ran track or, or jumped uh, for, for Coach McDonald. Tell me about John McDonald's recruiting pitch. So um, Coach McDonald's recruiting pitch, he was always sending Dick Boob down to see me who was the jumps coach. Um, basically, what they would tell me is, hey, we have a spot. We know you're going to come up here on football scholarship, but we'll have a spot for you on the track team. So what they did was, I know, I remember Dick Boop would come down. He just brought this box, this box of rings, all these national title rings, all these SEC rings. Knowing a guy like me at, at the time at Evangel, winning three straight um, football titles, state titles, and winning a couple of state titles in track and field, but individually, but not as a collective team. I looked at that stuff and I was just like, dude, I want a couple of those. And I ended up winning three when I was here. Um, that was, that's all it, it took for me uh, to get that pitch to come to Arkansas. Um, and I, I loved every minute of it. Every minute of it. Um, as a Louisiana kid, they, everybody always asked me, why didn't you go to LSU? Why didn't you go to LSU? Well, a lot of my teammates went to LSU. My cousin went to LSU. I wanted to you know, make my own path. LSU, Jerry DiNardo, the year before Nick Saban got there, told me, I'm not gonna let you run track. And immediately when he told me that, I was done. I was done with LSU. And I've been a Razorback ever since. This may be urban legend. It may, there may be some truth to it. What I heard about Donald was when he would go into the homes, mm-hmm. he had a tackle box full of his conference and, and NCAA rings. And he would pour this tackle box out on the living room table. You want some of these? Come run for me. Uh, no, that's exactly what he did. Um, him and uh, Coach Booth, that's what they would do. They would come come into your home, bring this big box, just open it up, and you would just see all these shining rings and everything that you want. He didn't have to say much. He just said, if you want some of these, come to Arkansas. And that's all it was. <laughs> and you were part, not only were you part of an NCAA championship, but you scored in the triple jump and the long jump, and I think it was 03, maybe the outdoor meet that, that you all won. And so um, my senior year um, on the track team, I scored in uh, indoor long jump and triple jump. I had a couple outdoor seasons where I should have scored. I went to nationals. I I would get like ninth or tenth, so I didn't get into the finals. And so if you don't score, you don't make All-American. Back then, now they have it where if you get to nationals, you get a second team All-American, which I tell some of our student athletes now is I don't I don't like that. Um, just because I would have more All-Americans to my credentials. But, yeah, um, that 2003 season was a special season for me as a senior. Obviously, back then, another thing that Coach McDonald would tell us, a lot of people don't don't know, is um, if you didn't score the SECs, um, you weren't going to get a ring. So it didn't matter if you were on a team, if you were on scholarship, if you weren't on scholarship. If you didn't score the SECs, you weren't going to get a ring. And so I know in my career, I scored multiple times at SEC just because I knew I wanted to get that ring. And I know my last year, I scored uh, some points for our team to win a, a title. 
uh, in 2003 indoor title. Tell us about being a two-sport athlete. Like Isaiah Satane is going to go through this uh, in, in spring because he's playing football. He'll run track. Um, what are the difficulties? What are the, the challenges? And is it different now maybe than it was 20 years ago? I think it's a lot different now just because of the support staff that we have for our student-athletes now, um, obviously being one of those. Um, I don't know about Jeb, but I know for me, when we were in school, we had about four or five people academically for us that would help us. Um, right now we have a staff about almost, I think 27 people on staff right now to help our student athletes with any type of academic work, um, any any work over in my area, educational enrichment services. Um, we also have student athlete development that works with our student athletes on career development, um, community engagement, things like that, where we have employers come in and um, talk to our student athletes about internships and maybe some jobs because you know everybody can't go pro in their sport. So I think in today's age, it's a lot easier because you have so many people watching what you're doing, helping you in every aspect of your uh, academic career, making sure you're going to class. If you don't have a ride, we have golf carts that we usually take student athletes up to class, uh, making sure we send you texts Almost every day, I was sending a couple of my basketball guys multiple texts yesterday. Hey, we got a test at 12.30, make sure you're in class. And then me and my other guy, the academic counselor, we go to the class to make sure that they're in class to take their test. And so we didn't have that many people on staff when I was in school, so it was much harder. Um, in, my, in my opinion, it was much harder back in the day because I had to do a lot of the work on my own. I had to make sure I was organized um, make sure I had all my stuff written down. I knew all my due dates. Um, it's kind of now I think we do a little too much, but we're making sure that our student athletes can be successful now. How do, you, how do you balance that between making sure that they're doing what they need to do, but also, you know, like creating some self yeah. uh, reliability on their part? So what I try to do early on in their career, their freshman year, I try to uh, make sure I show them how to organize themselves, how to, how to plan, um, um, showing them a calendar, giving them a planner, showing them how to write down stuff that's on their syllabi uh, from all our classes. Until, I, until by the end of their freshman year, I try to show them how to be independent student learners. <coughs> they can still use my services, they can come in, we can talk through things, but I want them to lead the meeting more so than me leading the meeting. Um, so I try to push them. Um, some of my coworkers don't push as hard as I do um, because I don't want a student athlete with me all four years. That's not my that's not my goal. I'm not saying that I won't do it, but my goal is to help them be um, complete students and student athletes and be able to do their work on their own without me. I want to circle back to your playing career here in just a minute, but I, I want to talk about what got you to this point. Mm -hmm. You leave Arkansas. You played with the Chiefs for mm -hmm. a season, 2004. What happened between the football career and what brings you back to Arkansas? So I, I graduated in 03 from Arkansas. Um, I went on as an undrafted free agent uh, with the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, it's kind of funny. I was on a tryout with the Chiefs. They gave me the ugliest number ever for a receiver, in my opinion, 38. That's the number I wore that whole, um, that whole mini camp. It was so ugly and I hated it. Um, I ended up making 
the opening day um, roster, 53-man roster in 2004. Nobody expected that. The whole time I was, uh, we had training camp up in Minnesota back then. Now they have it in uh, Missouri now. Um, back then, I had all the reporters asking me questions. What's the point of you being here? Why are you here? And I'm just, I'm just here fighting for my life. And so I remember all that. I remember as soon as I made the opening day roster, I remember this one lady who had badmouthed me the whole time in the training camp, trying to ask me questions. And I, I'm not that type of person to be you know, mean or rude to somebody, but I just didn't want to hear from her at that moment in time. And so I just would ignore her and go to another person. But then I, I told myself I need to go and answer her questions, even though she talked negatively to me personally outside of you know, asking me questions. Uh, my rookie uh, year was amazing. I was up and down. I played in six games with the Chiefs. I was down for some games on the practice squad, but I learned a lot of things about myself. Um, they, the Chiefs did draft two receivers that year um, in the fourth and sixth round. Um, both times they did call me on the phone before those drafts. They, they drafted those guys and, and said it was between me and the, the other guy. And obviously they went with the other two guys. And then training camp, I beat both those guys out. Um, it's just one of those things, like, who's going to be more competitive? I think it was one of those things that um, Houston instilled in us, just that drive, that will to go, hey, we may not be the biggest, we may, may not be the fastest, we may not be the strongest, but that will, that fire to go out there and play. And that's what I had, that will and desire to go out and play. And I wanted to make a name for myself, and that's what I with my NFL career. Obviously, after the Chiefs, I went to Seattle um, for a season where Jeb was um, in 05. Obviously, they went to the Super Bowl that year. Um, after that, I went to the Redskins, went over to NFL Europe for a little bit, um, did a season in NFL Europe, came back, um, and that was basically my time, three and a half years in the NFL. Um, after that, um, I, was, I took a year off trying to figure out what the next step was for me. I graduated with my degree in education, so I went into teaching and coaching. Um, I was uh, my first year in 08, 07, 08. I think I was an AD at a private uh, private school, private school um, AD, coach, football, basketball. Then I went on to the public school area where uh, I was a offensive coordinator and a head track coach at the high school. Um, did that for about five, five and a half years before I moved back to Northwest Arkansas. My wife got a job with Walmart. That was one of the reasons why we moved back. Um, and funny thing about it is I didn't want to move back at that time because I was loving pouring into these student athletes that I had, these young kids. Um, my wife actually filled out the application for me with the university, um, wrote everything up, did the resume, all that stuff, the reference letter, all that stuff. <laughs> All I did was came, I came down here and did the interview. Um, and I kind of nonchalantly did the interview. Like, I, I wasn't trying to move. Um, and then I got the job and we, we moved down here. Our kids were really young. We have a, two daughters. Um, they were really young, like three and one at that time, about to be two. Um, got the job and fell back in love with Northwest Arkansas. Obviously, we live in Bentonville, our kids now. I have a freshman in high school and a seventh grader in junior high right now, playing a lot of sports. I'm always busy. So if I get these years right, 
Dick Vermeil is your coach with the Chiefs. Mm -hmm. Would it have been Mike Holmgren in Seattle? Mm -hmm. Washington, would it have been Joe Gibbs? Yep. I mean, that's yeah. three Super Bowl winning head coaches that you got a chance to play for. Yeah, it was. Um, it was kind of intimidating, I would say. Um, more so when I was in, I think the most intimidating was the big show. Jeb would know in Seattle, we call, they call Mike Holmgren. Mm -hmm. The big show because he ran the whole, everything. Okay. I think at the time he was the head coach and GM, and so everything went through him. And so I remember going out there, doing my my workout on a Tuesday before they signed me. Um, never played in the system that they had. I've always been a numbers guy uh, in the numbers system. Uh, Seattle had this West Coast offense system. It was very tricky to understand and learn. The big show was like. He said, oh, yeah, we're going we're gonna to sign you to a contract. That was basically all he ever said to me. <laughs> and so I would go to practice. He would just look at me, wouldn't give me any, like, indication, like, if I'm doing good, if I'm doing bad, he would just look. And so um, Coach Vermeil was a great guy. He would come, put his arm around you, try to talk to you nice and quiet. You know, he's a, a shorter man. Um, he would do things like that, invite you over to his house. He, invited a lot of us players over to his house. Um, and I know Joe Gibbs, he was another one, um, a little bit intimidating. He was kind of that no-nonsense type of um, coach. Um, he would come in, we're going to work, and that's, that's all he was about, just going to work. And so I think my time in Virginia, because we, we, we had our training camp in Virginia, our training facility was in Ashburn, and so I really enjoyed my time there as well. You played with a lot of pros at Arkansas, like uh, I lived at a Lindsay facility. They never gave me a discount, but uh, I, I lived there in college. And there was a there was a great uh, uh, picture up on the wall, and it was a huddle. I think it was an O2 game against Auburn, and you're in the picture. George Wilson's in the picture. Jason Peters, Sean Andrews, Matt Jones, and I would look at this picture for a long time. And it's like well, you got Matt Jones at quarterback, and he was a first round receiver in the NFL. Jason Peters, a tight end, and he's an all-pro, going to be a pro football Hall of Fame tackle. Sean Andrews, I think, played guard. He was a tackle at Arkansas. George Wilson was a great safety, and he was your position mate as a wide receiver. Uh, tell me about playing with those guys, and, and maybe did it help prepare you for the, the NFL career? Well, it's kind of crazy. Um, playing with those guys was the best time of my life. Um, like you said, we go back and we talk about these things. We have a we were just all together um, when Houston went into the Hall of Fame um, a couple weeks ago, and we talked about we talk about everything when we all get back together. Um, last season, I had a reunion for a, a student athletes, former players around um, my my years, so in the '90s and the 2000s, and we had a blast just getting back and being able to talk with each other. But being in that huddle with those guys was uh, probably the best time of my life. Just being in that huddle, being in that locker room with everybody, those are the things that I miss the most about uh, football, uh, about the sport. Um, obviously, playing receiver, um, George playing receiver here with me, playing safety in the NFL for a long time. Um, Jason Peters, he wanted to play tight end. You know, 6'6", 320, 330 guy trying to play tight end and did it. Caught, a, caught some touchdowns for us here. Um, Sean um, being, you know, coming to that 01 class was another great class behind, um, the, behind our class in 99 that helped propel us forward. 
um, and uh, Sean being a part of that. Uh, Matt Jones, we always used to used to say he should have just played receiver because um, it would have it would have been crazy to have him, uh, myself in the slot, and George on the other side, us three going out there every day, um, obviously. But that guy was a, a a different type of competitor than Matt Jones was. Um, he was so nonchalant about everything. It don't matter. He would say that all the time. We would be in a highly contested games, everybody's on pins, and he would just be like, we go get it done. We go go out here and do this. You know, you would think you'd be kind of uptight, uh, nervous. Matt Jones, no, we good. No, we good. You need that at quarterback because it, it kind of helps everybody else in the huddle feel like, hey, we can go down and score at any time. And it was one of those things where we play games yeah. late in the fourth quarter, we'll be behind and we, you know, we go down and score. Well, we were talking about this a minute ago. 20 years ago, you beat Alabama. There's a big rain delay before mm -hmm. the game. You guys are sitting around the locker room yep. doing this. What, what's Matt doing? Um, like we were talking about earlier, Matt was asleep <laughs> in the locker room. Um, I don't know how, but he was. Like, we went out, tried to warm up, had a little rain delay, went back in. I know my, Myself, I was over there trying to stretch because that's usually what we do on warm-ups, try to stretch, get myself ready for the game, and matches over there laid out. <laughs> that just goes to what the kind of person he is, the, um, the type of attitude he has about certain things. He just knows that once he gets out there, he's going to do what he needs to do to win the game. And, it, and he didn't have that that nervous bone. It, it's just weird because, you know, most guys would get a little nervous. I know for myself, I wanted it to be a run play every first play of the game because I want to go out there and make a collision with somebody and get all that nervous energy out of me. And then I was like, okay, now I can play the game and I can go across the middle and catch the ball. I can do all those little things that I need to do, but I had to get that, I had to get that nervous energy out of me first. I asked Houston this last week when he was sitting here and uh, I think I asked Raymond House something similar when he was up here a few weeks ago. Uh, your time at Arkansas, I feel like as the years has gone by, has been a little bit more appreciated than potentially it was at that time. Make you feel good? Definitely does. Um, you know, when you're in it, you're in it. And I'm not, I wasn't thinking about it like that. Um, I was just trying to help my team do whatever we could to win a game uh, back then. Um, me and Houston got in, I wouldn't say got into it, but me and him, we had some very uh, long discussions about certain things. Um, if you know my background at Evangel, um, I caught 66 passes my junior year, like almost 90 passes my senior year for 1,600 yards and 1,800 yards. And when I got here, I understood that it was going to be a little different, um, but I didn't expect it to be as different as it was. When you're going around catching three, maybe five passes a game, that's a little different. Um, when you're having what I never, I don't, I don't think I got over 40 passes in the season. I was always consistently around 35 to 38, um, and I always thought that I could do more to help our team. Um, obviously, we ran a different offense, um, especially when Matt Jones got there in 01. <laughs> um, we went from a little bit more of a pro pro style to a little bit more of a read option on offense. And so I understood that, you know, my my 
my passes would go down a little bit. I just didn't know it would go down as much. Um, but in, still in my career, I thought I had a pretty good career. Um, if I go back and look at it, I think when I was, me and George, when we were leaving in 2003, we were in the top three or four in every mm -hmm. receiving category. But obviously right now, I think we've been pushed out by all these spread offenses that we've had here and all these other play, great players that we've had come in after us. You're an official? Yeah. So I officiate um, high school football, high school basketball, looking to move up once my kids get out of uh, high school here in the next five years. Um, got pulled into officiating by a former teammate, Sparky Hamilton, um, who has moved up. He's in the SWAC conference right now in football, and he just got hired into being one of the alternates for the SEC in men's basketball. He was a back judge, right? Yeah, he was a back well, judge. Where are you on the field? Right now, I'm a back judge, too. Okay. And so I, st I stand behind the safety on defense. And, um, I mean, I, I love football. I love officiating it. Uh, I miss I miss being on the field as a player. I miss being on the field as a coach. And so I know this was the next best thing for me to do is to be an official. That way I'm a part of the game on Friday nights. Um, and being a basketball official is, is something I, I, I really love. Um, the last two seasons, I've done a state championship football game. Um, I've been honored to do that. Um, in basketball, I got, in, I got all the way to the semifinals last year in the 6A up here at Rogers uh, Mounties, where they had the 6A mm -hmm. site. Um, hopefully, you know, knock on wood, I get a state championship game in basketball pretty soon. I would love that. Uh, and hopefully this season I, I can get to continue the streak since I've gone back-to-back -back years in football. Hopefully my whole crew gets to go with me this year for a state championship game. Let's get you out here on this. Uh, you're around players quite a mm -hmm. bit in your role. What's the mood of, of the football players given what they're going through right now? And, and, and what words of wisdom do you try to pass along to them? So that's, a, um, that's the biggest thing that I love about my job as a former student athlete, being able to be there, to have closed door meetings with guys, um, to give them words of um, encouragement. Um, like I, I told Tom today, um, Chris Paul was in my office no less than an hour ago. Um, we were just talking about the situation that's going on with the team. And I, I told him, hey man, just keep your head up, keep fighting. You guys have really played your butts off and only lost three out of the last four, seven points or under. Only the Texas A&M game was the only double-digit loss that you guys have had. He was a little dejected. Obviously, he's going through the injury that he's had from last week. But just, I just told him he needs to stand up and be a leader and keep telling the guys to push and fight. Because that's, that's the only way, the only thing that I know. Um, what well, we have six more games, five more games, six more games. We got to win some games. There's no, there's no, there's no reason for them to sit down and um, lose the rest of these games. We, they got to go out there and fight. And so basically, what I told him, what I'm telling all the guys, is just, hey, you got to put that one to the side, put that one to the back. And this was a new one. This is a new game. This next week is a new, it's a new challenge. Obviously, this week is going to be a big, big challenge. Um, a team that we haven't beat in 16 years. A team that we haven't beat down there. And, 20 years, um, it's gonna be tough. But you gotta go out there and fight and hopefully we can go out there and give a, a good fight offensively, 
defensively and special teams wise and figure out how to get this thing back on the right track. Richard, we appreciate you being here. Right. What'd you think? Thank you. We also honored our prep rally athlete of the week. That was Dizzy Dean, the quarterback at Elkins. He had a great game last week against Berryville, passed for a little over 200 yards and five touchdowns. Here is Dizzy Dean. I'm talking with Dizzy Dean, the quarterback at Elkins, our prep rally player of the week. First of all, we got to get the name. You, you got to give me the history of the name. Your so name. Dizzy Dean is my great, great uncle. So it's a family name and my parents passed it on down to me. So that's where it comes from. And that is your real name? Yes. Sir. Is your brother Daffy? No, no. My, my brother's name is Stone Dean. So <laughs> that's awesome. Well, the Elks are six and zero. You know, you guys are off to a great start. You're off to a great start. Um, you know, when you first got to Elkins, uh, they they hadn't had a lot of success. You know, before then. So, kind of tell me how you guys have changed that culture and and uh, and, and been able to build this thing pretty quickly. You know, I think. Um having kids that have come in that come from winning culture and having a coaching staff that's come in coming from winning cultures has really helped build the culture there and kind of change it in the direction we want to change it into and that's building a championship culture you you were from greenwood uh how much of that did you bring with you i mean you're talking about winning culture it doesn't get any more winning than that so how much of that did you bring with you to may, maybe be able to to kind of spread along to your teammates now you know i think just going into every week thinking that we're going to win and going into every game working and know how to work to win those games has been really important for the team and then seeing how we work every day has kind of helped change those some of the kids and how they work too every week and i think it's helped us as a team overall build confidence and get better every week you guys kind of burst on the scene a little bit last year had a, had a really good season what has been different about this season maybe as compared to last season you know, last season I thought that we were still early on, especially trying to figure out who we were as a team, um, especially offensively. We struggled a little more early on, where this year we kind of knew that we were going to be good and we knew who we were and knew what we wanted to do on offense and defense, and it's helped us. And just having another year under the coaching staff has helped. Talk about Zach Watson a little bit and what he's brought to the program and, and uh, you know, a, a brilliant offensive mind offense coordinator at Greenwood before he came to Elkins. Talk about him a little bit. You know, he, he does a really good job. Um, he does a really good job of figuring out what he has and knowing what to do with it and then just making sure everyone knows what they're supposed to do and just how to execute and being able to call plays against teams. I mean, he's done a really well, good job of that and just we've been able to pick people apart because they don't know how to handle us. Awesome. That is Dizzy Dean, the quarterback at Elkins, our prep rally player of the week. Congratulations and good luck the rest of the way. Thank you. Our prep rally program of the week was the Springdale Athletics with Coach Keith Fimple. He's actually the athletic director now, but I'll always call him Coach Fimple. Um, he's doing a great job at Springdale Schools. And they have a lot of great things going on over there. Here is Coach Keith Fimple. Talk with Keith Fimple, the athletic director at Springdale. Coach Pimp, I mean, you're always going to be Coach Pimp to me. I always. <laughs> you know. Um, but so you, you've been here four or five months, I think, three or four months, whatever Four it's been. months, yeah. Are you, are you kind of getting acclimated a little well, bit? Well, I tell you, we hit the ground running as fast as possible, especially with the construction and buildings going up and things we wanted to get changed. But it's it starting to settle down a little bit. We're kind of getting into a pattern by sporting and you know, here we are fixing to get out of football and transition yeah. to basketball, so we'll have to go through uh, that same transition again and the other sports that we have going on. So you're kind of, can't think of a better way to describe it, building your staff. 
Yes. You know, yeah, we, get, uh, yeah. Court, uh, Coach Wood is taking care of our west side. He's the assistant athletic director for the west side. He's okay. taking care of Harbor and all the feeders that go through that. I hired uh, Coach Eric Burnett from down at north side, and he's the east side, taking care of Springdale all the way through, all the way to middle school with our athletic department. So day-to-day operations, we usually try to meet. Uh, that You know, they're taking care of a lot of things that are going on with coaches to better serve them and our kids and our community. No, you were a, you were a coach you know, at Harbor, but now overseeing yeah. – Yes, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. just a mass. Well, a I tell school. you, you know, moving down to Conway, being the head coach for five years, and then coming back, uh, you can see how Northwest Arkansas is not slowing down. It is. It's. It's just getting bigger and bigger. And you know, you had to uh, look at things a little bit different because of the size that you right. got to. You know, you got to be on the cuff and ready to make changes and, and, think, and do different things with, with everything going on up here in Northwest Arkansas. Tell me about some of the good things you guys got going on. Are you building an arena? And- We're building an arena. Like I said, we've got construction all over, and not just in athletics, but in education. We have several schools that are getting new buildings. Uh, you know, we've got a lot of things. We've added some coaching staff to our, our, our the ability for our coaches in the varsity to actually uh, add staff members to them. We've uh, been working really well with the administration here, and I can't tell you how strong it is here in the Springdale community as far as every school goes uh, to allow us to be a part of it. You know athletics uh, and, and be able to go talk to them on one-on-one situations so building bridges uh, building relationships you know trying to improve the community as far as uh, you know with our kids give them the best opportunity i think this first time in a long time you had been coaching on no, Friday night. I I mean, I, you got are, are you missing it i, I you know what uh, there's certain times uh where you know uh you know, you do miss that uh, environment that you're used to, that you've been doing for 27 years, yeah. you know. Uh, so I try to keep myself busy on you Friday You don't go to night. practice and try to walk out on the <laughs> Well, <field? laughs> I actually do quite a bit because, you know, you just get a chance to go by and, you know, and ask those coaches, you know, is there anything we can do? Because I know how it uh, – I know the pressure. I know what it means, you know, and I know what they want to do for the kids and give them a great, you know, example and a role model and to be able to give them a great experience as they go through their high school sports, you know, and that's what I loved about it the most was the camaraderie between coaches and yeah. kids so yeah. you know you miss that quite a bit being in this role because you know deal with them on a day-to-day basis but uh, at least i get to live through the coaches where they can provide that opportunity for the kids good deal that is keith Fimple, the athletic director at springdale our prep rally program of the week for the hogs illustrated sports club luncheon so again that was today's hogs illustrated sports club luncheon with richard smith as the guest speaker today and we'll be back next week and we're going to have former Razorback and Fayetteville High standout Ronnie Brewer as our guest speaker for next week. The week after that, we have national champion coach Nolan Richardson who will be here. Again, this is the Hog Sports Club podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week. The proceeding has been a production of the Hog Sports Network. Look for our daily podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. For more Razorbacks coverage, go to wholehogsports.com or follow the Hog Sports Network reporters on social media.